0: Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse 1, and read down through verse 6. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 through 6. So once you've found your place, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll have prayer, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. Let's pray together. Our Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your precious word. And Lord, as we enter this time of our service where we give pause, Lord, to you and to your Holy Spirit, we pray you'd speak to our hearts. We pray you'd use the word of God to do its work in our lives and bring things to our heart and minds, Lord, that we need to consider today. We pray you'd show us your will, help us to do it in this coming year. As we move forward, may we move with your blessing Lord, may we move with obedience, Lord, and and honor to Your Word. And help us as we live things out that we've been learning in our Christian lives. And uh, Lord, we just look to You for guidance, for direction, for inspiration and motivation this morning. And we pray You'd guide us and direct us as only You can. We pray You'd bless the reading of Your Word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 1, the Bible says here, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear... Than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools, pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice, and destroy the work of thine hands? What a thought. From this text, I'd like to preach a message this morning I've entitled, A New Year's Caution. A New Year's Caution. Thank you, you may be seated. You know, we're at this time of New Year. This is the day we call New Year's Eve. Tomorrow is the first day of the year. Many will stay up uh, through the night, some all night, some half the night, to bring in the New Year. And they will count down the moments as the clock ticks by. This is a time when people consider their past and look forward to the future. And many at this time of year will make what we call New Year's resolutions. Now, I know some of those who make New Year's resolutions, I know they will do it very trivially. As a matter of fact, they will speak it into the air as if to no one, really, just saying, I think this year I'm going to do this, whatever it might be. Usually, those are the resolutions that last four to six weeks into the new year. And by mid-February, early March, those will all be over. And uh, many, many study the trends of New Year's resolutions and can tell you that those kind are very short-lived, and I would think the majority of New Year's resolutions fall in that category. But there are a lot of Christians, there are a lot of believers who take it a little more seriously and this time of year, they take their New Year's resolution and, and they really make it a vow before God. So instead of speaking into the air, they're actually speaking to the Lord and sometimes even promising, God, this new year, I'm going to do certain things. And while that's well-meaning and good, if we're going to do that, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to promise the Lord something as our New Year's resolution then we need this message this morning, a New Year's caution. Now, I'll say I'm really not one that promotes resolutions in the new year, but I do like to set goals, and I do like to have a plan and a strategy going forward. And I'm all about that. If you've paid attention to my preaching, any you know about this time of year, I I will teach and preach some things that will help you if you're in the practice of doing that. Now, I, I have not encouraged the making of a vow in place of a New Year's resolution, even though some may practice that. And, and maybe this message will help you understand why. I'm not against people making vows, but I understand the challenge of our text this morning. And I think that if you and I are going to promise God something, that we need to have our minds and hearts made up that we intend to carry out that promise. We need to be in very intentional and very very careful as we make those plans. So let's look at our text. Let's learn today and let's guard against making a trivial kind of a promise to God and let's certainly not make one that we do not intend on keeping. The Bible says in verse 1, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not, that they do evil. What a great challenge in this verse. Isn't it interesting? Now, we understand we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. And when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's kind of like the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of wisdom here, but we want to understand the perspective of the book. When you read Ecclesiastes, please remember that this perspective that you're reading from, this wisdom that we're gaining is man's wisdom. It's man's view of man, and it's not God's view of man. Okay, when we read the book of Proverbs, we kind of sense more of a a downward heavenly view, God looking on to man, And, and we see some great true principles that we can universally apply to life. In Ecclesiastes, we have these same universal principles, but we find more of a human perspective. We find more of an earthly perspective, a horizontal view, if you will. Man's view of man. And and look here, we're we're seeing this same challenge and and we're catching a glimpse of an area that we all need to, to have a guard on just a little bit. This idea of making vows to God. Here we find the preacher, the writer of Ecclesiastes. This would be Solomon. Notice what he's urging us to consider. Notice this expression. Keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God. What He's doing is that He's admonishing us not to get too comfortable when we go to the house of God. Not to get too trivial when we enter into God's presence. That's an important warning for us today because many in America today, maybe even in the world, we have brought God down so far that He rests in our minds and hearts on a human level. Today, people see God as their friend and not God as the great, holy, triune God above above all of His creation that He really is. We don't always see Him like Isaiah saw Him, high and lifted up above all. Yet that's who He is. Listen, we should take comfort that God is a friend to us. And we should take comfort in the fact that He is approachable, and we can enter into His presence. But we should never come into His presence lightly, too casually, or trivially in the the fact that we don't consider where we are and before whom we stand. You know, we may make commitments to man, to our friends and family, co-workers, neighbors, and such, and we may lightheartedly make commitments to them that sometimes we really aren't intentional about following through and keeping but we should never do that with God. So what the writer says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give. You see how he describes this? The sacrifice of fools. What's the sacrifice of a fool? He's talking about our mouth. He's talking about the stuff that we blab and sometimes without even giving it a thought. You know, this is the area where where our opinions live. The sacrifice of fools, he says. You know, when it comes to truth and when it comes to God, often our opinions are secondary. But yet, if we looked at it from our perspective, if we look at life from our point of view, we see it as our opinions are central But that's not the way it really is. We should look at life with God's view as central. Then everything else comes into the right perspective, showing us the perspective that we ought to have. And that's what he's reminding us of this morning. Keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God. Be more ready to hear. Hey, have you ever been around somebody that's not ready to hear? Have you ever been around someone, I mean, that just talks nonstop? Have you ever been around someone that you, you just can't get a word in edgewise? I, and, what, you, uh, and that's how your conversation goes. And never do they ever stop and say, what were you going to say? Because <laughs> they don't really care. They're more interested in what they have to say than what you have to say. Or, or at least, that certainly is what it looks like. You know, the writer here is admonishing us not to come into God's presence that way. Keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God, and be more ready to hear what he has to say than to offer up what you have to say. And isn't that how we should be when we come into the presence of God? There should be something in us that yearns to hear from heaven. When we open the Scriptures, there should be something in our hearts that longs to connect with the author of these pages. We should want God to speak to our hearts. When we get into a a gathering of worship like this, we should want to go away knowing that God has touched us and that we've heard from Him. But that can't happen. When we have the noise and clamor of our own voice and our own thoughts and our own opinions taking over the airwaves. It makes it so that we can't hear Him. No wonder. No wonder Solomon said, be careful. Keep your foot when you go into the house of God. Be ready to hear. More ready to hear than you are to speak. Hey, I know that's a great challenge for some, but it's a true challenge. It's one we need to take to heart as we enter into God's presence. In this new year, be that kind of person, a true worshiper that comes to hear from heaven, from God, that comes to hear His voice, and not just to proclaim yours. I was thinking about the message of this verse, Keep thy foot. What is he really trying to say? I I think some things that we would say to others if we were bringing people along with us on their journey to God, we would say this means act responsibly when you come into the house of God. Now, I want to say this. We're reading an Old Testament passage. And in the Old Testament, if they wanted to enter the presence of God, they had to come into the tabernacle. But in the New Testament, the Bible says if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. So this is really something that we need to think a little bit harder about than even... Our text would bear out this morning. He's talking about behave when you go to the house of God, act responsibly when you come into God's presence. But if you're a believer today, then I'll say that you have to take this challenge home with you because you, as a believer, are always in His presence. Isn't that what Jesus said? I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. So if you are a believer and you have the indwelling Holy Spirit with you, then you're always in the presence of God. Act responsibly because He does see your every move. He does know your every thought. He does recognize. He he knows your every desire. In the house of God, He says, act responsibly. You know, I appreciate the reverence people show toward the church building and the property. I appreciate that. And it comes from this long understood tradition of of what our author is telling us this morning. It comes from the same challenge we're being given in this text. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Act responsibly when you're in God's house and in His presence. I'm just saying as a New Testament believer, it doesn't only apply on this property. It applies with you wherever you go as a believer because you carry His presence with you. Act responsibly, He's saying. Here's another way we might interpret this. This challenge to keep thy foot. To know your place. To know your place. When you come into the presence of God, you need to know your place. You know, there are people who come and and they act reverently when they're in the house of God, when they're on the church property, and you can see a change come over them, they show that respect toward God, and I appreciate that. I'm just saying, if you're a believer, you ought to have that same respect everywhere. You ought to live that way because now you are the temple of God, and His presence is with you always. Some show that respect when they get on the church property, and they show that they know their place. They humble themselves, they're... they're, They're reverent, and you can see that in their manner. But there are others who do not know their place. There are those who become overly familiar with the house of God, and and they, they throw off the restraints. And they do things like our text mentions here, like just taking off with the motor mouth. Okay, that could be one. You could interrupt the worship of God in your own heart with the noise that you make. Your thoughts, your words, etc. But you know, there are, there are other ways that you can get out of place. I'm thinking of the story Jesus told about the Pharisee and the publican in the New Testament. You remember that? And, and how they both came into the temple. And if you remember, the Pharisee came right down to the front, like he owned the place. He was overly familiar with the house of God. And so he marched right down to the front, got right before God and began to brag and boast about all of his good deeds that he had been doing. Remember that? And Jesus told this story because he said there are certain people who are self-righteous. They think that righteousness is theirs because of what they've been doing. And so Jesus told that story. But in that story, there was another man way in the back, the Bible says, the publican stood afar off. And he wouldn't even raise up his eyes toward God. He he kept his head bowed the whole time. Humble, reverent. And while while the Pharisee was blaring all of his good deeds that he had been doing, and how much better of a person he was, the public in the Bible says, it says he smote on his breast. And all he would say is, God be merciful to me a sinner. What we learn in that story is the publican knew his place before God. And the Pharisee did not. And the Bible says the publican went home justified rather than the other, talking about the Pharisee. The Pharisee, the religious one, the one who was very comfortable in God's house, the one who was very familiar with how things work in here. You know, there's a saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes it does. And if we're not careful, we can have the wrong attitude toward God. We can can overstep our boundaries. We can get out of place with God and have to be put back. This Pharisee was in that condition. The truth is, all of us stand where the publicans stood. We're all unworthy. We all need forgiveness. We all need God. We, We all needed salvation. Everybody needs Jesus. That's why He died on the cross. And so what I want to show you this morning as we look in this verse is I want to show you the sanctity of a vow. How holy and how important it is that when you speak before God... Those need to be true words. They need to be, it needs to be a holy thing in your mind. If you make a promise to God, then you should intend to keep it. You know why? Because Jesus keeps His promises. God always keeps His promises. He's the promise keeper. He promised to save us from sin. He promised to send a Savior. We just celebrated the Christmas season. It's another reminder that God kept His promise. That in Bethlehem, As prophesied, the the Virgin Mary bore this child Jesus who would save their people from their sins. Jesus came to do that. Around Easter time, we celebrate the rest of the story that Jesus was born so that He could die and rise again. And because He did that, He paid the sin price of man and, and now has the authority to forgive. That's why Jesus can, can forgive sins. That's why He can, can promise eternal life in heaven. Hey, look, the church doesn't have authority to do that. Preachers don't have the authority to do that, but Jesus does because He paid the price. Having paid that price, guess what? He keeps His promise. So when the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is a promise of God that He keeps every time. When the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that's a promise that He keeps every time. God doesn't treat His promises to us trivially, nor should we treat our promises to Him Now, let me say this. In our humanity, when we fail, intentionally or unintentionally, when we fail to keep our promises, He still keeps His. Amen? Aren't you glad about that? When we don't have the strength, when we can't follow through, when things get out of our control, or when we just didn't enter into it with a serious mind, when we just didn't have a plan on how to execute, God still keeps His promises. I'm so thankful for that this morning. The sanctity of a vow. Know your place in the presence of God. Well, there's another challenge we might take from verse 1, and it's this. Listen before you speak. Listen. One of the laws of communication, it doesn't matter who you're talking to, one of the laws of communication is this. Seek to understand before being understood. Everybody wants people to understand us. When I speak, I want people to understand me. I hope you are this morning. When you speak to someone, you want them to understand you. The best way to ensure that happens is first for you to seek to understand them. Know where they are coming from. Know know their scenario. Know something about the person you're trying to communicate to. Because often, that knowledge will allow you to adjust your approach or your presentation to ensure that it is understood. You can communicate better when you understand your audience. That makes sense? Well, guess what? All of us have to make the effort to understand the other person before we can communicate to them in an effective way. God certainly understood human nature before He communicated His Word to us. That's why when we read the Bible, it resonates with us. And we say, yes, that's true. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we think, boy, man, who told? told God knows and so when he says things about us that are universally true we feel that it resonates with us why because God understands us and because of that understanding he was able to give a message to us that we can understand remember that when you're trying to communicate with someone seek to understand them before having them understand you in other words listen Before you speak. You know, some of us need to practice that a little bit more. Listen before you speak. Always apply this when you come into God's presence. I don't know what motivated you to come into God's presence, but I know this, God already knows about that. He allowed it to be in your life, and He probably put it there so that you would come to Him. So now, listen. For what he has for you. Because he has something for you. And if you want to get it, you have to stop talking long enough to hear what he has to say. Keep thy foot. Look at verse 2. And let's notice the sincerity of a vow. He said, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few." Hey, sometimes our words can be many. So he uses the words rash and the words hasty. And the, and the writer here, Solomon, is telling us, don't use these. Don't be rash with God. Don't be hasty with God. What is he saying? Slow down. Slow down. You know, in our busy world, in our, in our world of instant everything, we want instant food. We want instant money. We want instant pay. We want instant success. And you know, when we come into God's presence, we want instant blessings. But that's not how God works. Coming to God's not like going to McDonald's. God doesn't have a fast drive through lane. It's not like Chick-fil-A. You're not, you're not going to circle the building in less than five minutes. All right? Slow down. Slow down. God wants you to park and come in. Sit down. Stay a few minutes. Be not hasty. Slow down is what we're being urged to think about. In all of our sincerity, if this really means something to you, if you want to interact with God and hear His voice, if you want to make a vow to God and follow through, then slow down and think about what you're doing. Then he's saying, remember. Remember. Be not hasty, right? He's saying, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. He's talking about when you come into God's house. He's talking about when you you, remembering that you're in His presence now. As we stand on the threshold of a new year, and you're considering going forward, if you're about to make some New Year's promises to God, and, and maybe you should, but before you do, He's just saying, remember who you're talking to. You stand before a holy God. Remember. Remember who you're talking to. Then He says, Speak selectively. Notice in verse 2, he said, For God is in heaven and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. Let thy words be few. Now I know some people are verbal processors. In other words, they don't think about it first and then say it. They have to think about it as they're saying it. And that's why it takes them ten times the number of words to get their thoughts together because they're kind of making it up as it comes out. Now, for those of you that are, that are mental processors, okay, you just have to understand that. Because we see all of those excessive words as unnecessary. They are to us, but they are essential to them. That is the way they communicate. You just have to slow down. You just have to be patient with someone who's processing Now, if you're a verbal processor, then then you have more of a challenge than those of us who are mental processors. When you come into God's presence, here the author is saying, speak selectively. In other words, don't throw out a bunch of promises and statements to God and don't say a bunch of things that you don't mean. It's really what he's getting at. You know, it's amazing... I remember telling my wife not too long ago that in the last few years, I said, you know, I've noticed how trivially people are to commit themselves. You know, let's say, for example, something's going on, and you say, yeah, I'm going. How about you? Are you going? And they're like, oh, yeah, man, count me in. I will be there. And I'm like, it's funny because a lot of times those same people that are like definite, I'm going to be there count me in, whatever the FBI can't find them when it happens and I'm thinking what in the world they were so definite they were coming I mean like they were going to be here where are they you know like did they run out of gas on the way or like what happened you know and then you, you realize when you get back to talking to them they had no plan on coming they were doing something else and you came expecting to see them there, they didn't even show. And you're thinking, what in the world? And you, you go back later and you talk to them, hey, I was at this thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was off doing this. And I'm like, what do you mean you were off doing? What? And that's because in the moment, they're all about it, and they, they fully intend to be there. But like three seconds later, something, something happens, and their attention gets distracted with shiny things somewhere else. And before you know it, they're all about something else. And they totally forgot that they told you, I'm going to be there. And I'm like, what? How can somebody commit themselves and then so trivially blow off that commitment? I was really frustrated about that one day because somebody had, okay, this is the way I took it. Somebody stood me up, right? That's how it felt. Isn't that how it feels? Man, I thought, wow, I felt stood up, right? And I was sharing that with a, I'm just going to say a relative of mine. And we were driving in the car, and I was telling him about that. And he said, really? That's how you feel about it? I said, absolutely, man. That person committed like I'm going to be there, and I was fully expecting them. And so I went because they were going. And I get there, and they're not there. I said, man, that really bothered me. I just, I got really aggravated about that. I felt stood up, and he said, really? He said, man, that's shocking. He said, I could so see myself doing that. (laughs) And the reason I was telling that to this person is because I didn't think this person thought like that. Well, guess what? The curtain come off, and revelation, right? I'm like, oh, no, you're one of those? (laughs) Man, I got to watch out for you, buddy. (laughs) You know, because, look, people who pay attention to what they're committing to, they, they put trust in those kind of things. I heard someone talking about something like this recently. And he said, yeah, I asked a friend to go with me to this place, and we set a time, you know, 11 o'clock. And then he said, well, when the time came, he said, I actually slept in. And so here's the friend saying, hey, uh, I'm ready. Let me know, what, you know, at 11 o'clock. And he said, I thought, well, okay, well, maybe we'll go about 1.30. I, uh, you know, I slept in. Did you not set your alarm? I mean, you, you, you knew you had to be somewhere and you didn't even plan to be there? Like, anybody else understand what I'm saying? I mean, like, I'm just finding that really hard to understand. Like, you know, you do have a job, don't you? You know how to be somewhere at a certain time. You must plan to go there because you're still there. So, hey, you know there's other places that work like that. you you got to plan and you gotta, you got to prepare. So you can be there. Otherwise, you won't, like he w- wasn't. It just amazed me how I've seen that. Well, here, look, Solomon is urging us to understand if we're going to be sincere with God when we talk to him about things in our life that we need to speak selectively, slow down. And when you say, God, I'm going to do this, hey, listen up. You need to fully intend and be prepared to do that. Don't make a vow to God that you don't intend to keep. Don't promise God, going into 2024, dear God, hey, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to tear this thing up. I'm going to, listen, I'm I'm going to read all the way through. That's great, but if you say it, you got to do it. Amen? I'm just saying, don't promise God something unless you intend to do what you're promising. Because unlike unlike that situation, there there are people who every day promise things they don't even intend, they don't even think about, they don't even plan to follow through with. We can't be like that with God. And expect Him to bless us. If you want your life to be blessed and you want to make some changes in the new year, that's great. But if you're going to promise God something about that, make sure that you're ready to follow through on that. Let me give you the rest of this quickly. I've just used up my time this morning. You know, sometimes time isn't long enough. Anybody got a time stretcher? Can we just stretch that out a little bit? All right. I want to give you this, though. It's so good. Look at verses 4 and 5, and let's look at the seriousness of a vow. Why, why am I taking time to explain all of this in such great detail? Because with God, this is serious. And you know, I, I have realized of late that sometimes people say things, and, and, and the reason why it doesn't bother them is because it's, it's not that serious, you know? It's like, hey, just whatever. If I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. And, and that's okay, when you're dealing with others, if you want to be that way, but look, you can't be that way with God because to God it's serious. Let me show it to you. Look at verse 4. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in... Well, that's a hard word, isn't it? But, but look, heavenly perspective, God looking down the people that chatter off a bunch of words that never intend on keeping those, God is saying, that is foolish. Foolish behavior. And it says, God has no pleasure in fools. So he says, for he hath no pleasure in fools, pay that which thou hast vowed. You might underline that expression. Pay that which thou hast vowed. When we make a promise to God, he expects you to keep your promise. God wants you to do that. God wants you to take it more seriously. Let me ask you a question. When you go to God and you ask Him for help in your life, do you want Him to take it serious? So God is saying, when you make a promise to me, I want you to take that serious. I want that to be special. I want that to be a a sanctified thing, a holy thing. And that's what we're being challenged with in the Scripture. Look at verse 5. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Now, he's not saying, don't make a vow. He's not saying that. Right? He's showing us the seriousness of a vow. I'm looking at these expressions, defer not to pay it. No pleasure in fools. What what does it mean? It means means this. Don't vow if you can't pay. Don't make a promise to God that you cannot keep. Don't come and say, God, I'm going to come to church every Sunday morning if you know that you have to work every other Sunday. Well, you just... You don't have you can't pay that. You can't keep that vow. Unless you're planning on changing jobs in a hurry. Right? So, in other words, slow down. Be serious about what you're saying. Remember, you're talking to God. Think about the follow through. Can you perform this vow that you're fixing to give to God? Don't vow what you cannot pay. Number two, don't vow if you do not intend to pay. You know, sometimes we can, we can do it, but we really don't have a serious intention to do it. We're just letting words come out of our mouth. If you don't seriously intend to perform the vow, then don't make it. That's what he's saying. Don't make a vow that you don't intend, that you're not intentional about. And then what's he saying? He says, pay that which thou hast vowed. So what is he saying? Pay your vows. Pay the things that you do promise God. Make sure you follow through on those. Keep working on it. Hey, if you fall down, get back up. Get back on it again. Keep trying. God wants you to work on that. Pay your vows. And then notice verse 6. Notice the sinfulness of a vow. You say, can vows be sinful? Well, not the vow itself. But look what he says in verse 6. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands? Hey, look, do, do you want to get God working against you? Hey, I want to be on God's side. I want Him to be on my side. I don't want to be working against God. I want to be working with God. So how do you make that happen? Well, you pay very close attention to what you're promising God and you make sure you keep those vows. Don't make God angry with you. Don't make God have to correct you. That's what He's saying here in the the text. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. You know the Bible says in James 4.17? It says, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You ever heard somebody say, your mouth can get you in trouble? Oh, yeah. And if you're blurting out a bunch of things, promising God a bunch of stuff, you're not really thinking about what you're promising? Yeah, you can. you can... You can get out of sorts with God like that. Because now you've promised Him some things that you really, you haven't even thought through carrying them out. You have no real intention on doing all that. You mean well in your heart, but but you just don't have any plan of carrying those things out. And yet, once you promise God, guess what? He, He expects you to do that. I wonder how many Christians have ever said, God, I promise, if you help me, I'm going to, and you fill in the blank. Maybe they said, I'm going to go to church faithfully every Sunday. Maybe they said, Lord, I'm going to read my Bible. Maybe they said, I'm going to pray every day. I don't know. Maybe they said, you know what, I'm going to straighten up. I'm going to start living right. Lord, if you just help me with this thing, I'm going to get real. Okay? How about it? Are you doing all those things that you promised God you would do? That's what he's dealing with today. And he's saying, don't be trivial with God. Remember who you're talking to. Slow down. Show God reverence. And only say the things that you fully intend to follow through on when you're making promises to God. So this year, if you're going to make a New Year's promise, and and I'm not saying you shouldn't. I am saying, pay attention to what you do promise and make sure that if you're going to make a New Year's promise to God, make sure that you have a plan and you fully intend to keep that promise because God is going to expect you to. Keep your promise. What does this message mean to us? It means don't make a vow you don't intend to keep. And it also means keep the vows that you do make. That's our takeaway this morning. Because in verse 1, he reminded us that those that chatter on with no intention behind their words, are fools before God. What is a fool according to this text? Well, it's someone who is inconsiderate of what they say. In other words, they don't think it through. They're just blabbing out a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, I'm going to be there. (laughs) They haven't really thought about being there. They're inconsiderate of what they say. Number two, they talk too much. That's what he said in verses two and three. He talks about a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. They're just talking way too much, overcommitting themselves. Then he says in verses four through six, fools are, are those that don't keep their word. You know, you know what character and reputation is, right? Character is who you truly are. Reputation is, is what people know you to be. And you may not realize this but if you're the kind of person that trivially makes commitments and you don't keep them, you, you say things like that, oh, yeah, I'm going to be there, and then you don't show up and you don't even give it a thought, I want you to know there are people around you who are giving that a thought. They are, they are marking you, and, and they've got you down as a person who doesn't keep his word. They've got you down as somebody where you can't fully trust what they say. That's your reputation. You're known for that. Whether you realize it or not, they may never come up to you and say, uh, <clears throat> I just want you to know. Going into 2024, you are a non-trustworthy person. They may never come to you and say that. But every time you say, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to be there, they know in their mind, yeah, maybe, maybe not. You see what I mean? Because that's your real character. Character is who you really are. And your reputation is just what people know you to be. Sometimes your reputation can be off. Sometimes people can think less of you than you really are. Or sometimes they can think more highly of you than you really are. But your character is determined by what you truly do. So if I were you, I would focus more on character than reputation. If your character is right, your reputation will correct itself. Focus on your character be a person of your word. Think about what you're saying, especially when you're talking to God. Hey, give Him reverence. Give Him praise. And when you come into God's presence and you make a promise to Him, make sure that's a promise that you fully intend to keep. Why? Hey, because He's worthy. God is worthy of our, of our best. He's worthy of every promise we would make. He's worthy of the effort that it takes to keep that promise. Look at all the promises He's kept to us. Amen. So let's go into this new year with that reverence in our mind, with that respect in our hearts, and and let's come into God's presence. Don't, Don't stay away because of this message. Let this message guide you in to God's presence in the right way. Come into God's presence. Talk to Him about your life, the things you want to change. And listen, it's okay to make a promise to God. Just make sure that you've thought about it, that you're intentional, and that you have a plan to keep that promise. That's what God wants. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for your word and for the truth of it. And we pray that you'll help us to be better people because we know and understand the Word of God, because of the difference that you make in our lives. And so I pray you take the text today and use it, Lord, to to guide us, to strengthen us, Lord, to strengthen our character and help us to be the people that we ought to be. Lord, help us as we make promises and, and especially as we make the effort to keep them. Lord, empower us and use us and strengthen us and help us keep those promises to you. We thank you for keeping your promises to us always. In Jesus' name we ask.